0: It's okay to hear no. I think that's a really powerful thing. It's something that I had to learn cuz you know, it's hard not to take it personally. But the thing is, if you believe in yourself, then just keep trying. Maybe you have to tweak your proposal, maybe you have to tweak what you offered in exchange, maybe they need more value. Don't be blind to why they said no, but don't let it stop you.
1: You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast. Emily Reeves is in the driver's seat today. She is a model and co-host with her husband on their very successful YouTube channel, Flying Sparks Garage. Emily shares how her journey led her to a social following from zero to over 105,000 Instagram followers and over 88,000 YouTube subscribers. Buckle up and enjoy the show. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Emily Reeves in the hot seat or driver's seat today. How are you doing today,
0: Emily? Jamie, I am so fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited.
1: I am too, and it's, it's interesting. I've been following you for probably 10 months to a year now. Femcanics has been up for about a year, and one of the searches that I put in when I first got on Instagram uh, with Femcanic Garage was GTO. Because I was just curious. Lo and behold, your profile popped up because of your GTO.
0: Yes, Roxy.
1: Yes, Roxy, the red Roxy. And that's what initially drew me to you. I didn't get on YouTube a lot or anything. So I didn't find you that way. It was your GTO that first drew me in. And then as I started looking around more, I'm like, wow, this is a lot of great content. You and your husband have a YouTube channel. And you guys put out some great content. So thank you for doing that.
0: Well, thanks for saying that. We work really hard to do that. And we have a blast. And um, yeah, we started the channel doing an engine build on my GTO, which um, my GTO is an 05. She's a late model GTO shipped over from Australia, originally born as a Holden Monaro. And when GM decided to do their last push with Pontiac, they rebadged a bunch of their Holden Monaros and made them Pontiac GTOs and shipped them over on boats. And I I had watched that unfolding and I'd seen an ad in Hot Rod magazine and I wanted a GTO. Like, just that's the car that I had to have. So when I was 18, um, I had already been working and making money and needed a car. And so I I just decided that was the car for me. And so I've had it since November of 2005. And um, it was 10 years later in 2015, when we started the YouTube channel, and I did a stroked LS engine build on it. And um, that was the kickoff of the whole sort of internet brand there that we've built around us working together in the shop. So it's been awesome.
1: Yeah, I was immediately sucked into that. And I think maybe to bring the listeners along, even though there was the pre-recorded bio and kind of gave a high-level overview of your background, why don't we do kind of the 60,000-foot view? Because Your history and what you and your husband are doing is pretty well documented, uh, either by yourself documented. And there's been other avenues and other uh, media outlets that have documented it as well. And in the notes, the show notes, what I'm going to do is if you don't mind providing some of those links so that the guests can go in and view some of those other stories. But I do want to give you an opportunity to summarize for the audience. (laughs) What is it? How did you end up getting into the automotive industry? Because if any of the listeners uh, follow you at all, they know that you're also a model. So to dive into the automotive industry, sometimes that's not a direct path. So do you mind kind of bringing us along the journey and what started all this?
0: I would love to. So I started modeling and acting the same year that I met my now husband, Aaron, and he was into cars. So I did not grow up with a dad that was into cars or knowing anyone that was into cars. And um, back in the day when I was 14 and Aaron was 17 and he asked to drive me home from church youth group and his little Datsun 280Z, I was in shock. I was just like, this boy is so cool and so cute. And he's got this amazing car. And I just, I was hooked. I, I just thought I just have to learn everything I can about him and this whole hobby of his, because I got to be a part of it. And really I hit the ground running. I started reading hot rod magazine. I started, and really that was kind of the beginning of the whole internet world of like watching things on YouTube. That wasn't really a thing then. Like people didn't um, look at on YouTube videos as much Um, or even like it was the cusp of Google. It seemed like, I mean, maybe it was because I was a young teenager and I wasn't really into it, but I did a lot of reading with magazines and kind of what's considered old school now um, books and magazines. Um, And so Aaron and I just started our life together really early on um, so this year is 19 years that we've been together and congratulations thank you it's it's just the best. We have such a good time together and we are very very grateful for the life we have and um, and the last unfolding of the last five years after starting the YouTube channel that's been both the most rewarding time in our lives and the most difficult time in our lives because we've melded our two passions and our two sort of basis of knowledge. Because growing up modeling and acting, I had a a big knowledge base of cameras and lighting and marketing with, you know, your your emotions and your presence and being on camera and doing all that stuff so i brought all that to the shop where he knew all of the knowledge of working on cars and and i i had learned along the way but really melding those two was what is now our youtube channel that's why we've been able to create this content is because first his planting the seed of the the automotive passion and then my experience in making videos and being on camera and melding those two is how the YouTube channel was born. So it's been really, really cool. We've been honored with a television show on Motor Trend. We've been featured in a five page spread in Hot Rod magazine, um, talking about our little Dotson 280 Z that we restored that he was driving, of course, when we met and we restored it for our 10 year wedding anniversary. That is so cool. Uh, there's just been a ton of really cool unfolding um opportunities that have come from the the online brand and and building that and really putting our hearts into communicating our passion and trying to share it with others. so it's been so cool there's
1: a there's a couple comments that I want to share one hearing you talk about like YouTube, when I hear you talk about it, like I pause I'm like, really wasn't that long ago when you think about it, but it seems like forever it's ago. always been around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: It seems like it's always been around. But really, I mean, when I was a kid, there wasn't YouTube.
1: 15 years ago, that wasn't, that wasn't a prominent no. thing,
0: you know? No, it wasn't. Googling things. And I mean, like, that just wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't... You know, people went to the library. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I the- mean,
1: we went to the library or you would go over to a friend's house that has done it multiple times or something and ask them questions. It just, it, yeah, it's, it's just, I have to keep reminding myself that wasn't that long ago. The, the other comment I had is the Datsun. That, That is one of the coolest cars. My partner and I actually stopped and was looking at one for sale that definitely needed work. And she's from Puerto Rico. And, She'll make fun of me. We we have this thing where she's trying to teach me Spanish and try to say Puerto Rico and say it right. <laughs> I have to emphasize it. And I, I always sound angry when I try to emphasize it in the right place. But that was a very popular car in in Puerto Rico. And it is one of the neatest cars. And I, I didn't really look at them closely because I was always a, a domestic girl and I loved the GTO And then when when we stopped and looked at it and you just kind of, I started to really pay attention to it. I'm like, this is a really cool car.
0: They really, really are. The interior is so amazing. The dash is awesome. Yes. The lines, the headlights, the nose, the tail. It's just sexy. You don't feel like you're in a tiny car when you're in it. No. It doesn't feel tiny when you're sitting inside. The hood feels long and the doors, the windows feel wide. It's it's such a cool, 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 cool car. And if you have
1: and the Z, you can you can get that thing scooting, too. And it'll it'll go fast. And I I know you do as well, but I, I, I like speed. <laughs> I like going fast.
0: Heck yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so we did an LS swap in that car. So it's got a it's got a V eight. It's got like three hundred and seventy horsepower to the in back the Datsun? Car. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's we funny. um we did a couple of unique things with that build. We, the first thing that we did that we thought, okay, this is unique. We've never seen this done. We cut a hole in the middle of the hood and we installed a stacked injection. So individual throttle bodies. So there's eight stacks that come out of the hood of this car. And, and that's really when you're a car guy, that's the first thing you notice whenever you see that thing pull up, you're like, oh, dude, yeah what did they do? There are stacks coming out of that hood. Like that is sick. Um, And then the next thing we did that was kind of a unique move was we built custom 180 degree headers for the car. So while we did V8 swap it, we didn't want it to sound like a muscle car, like like a cammed V8. We wanted it to kind of have a higher end, more exotic you know, on the more Japanese proper side that it should sound because it's a Japanese car. Right. So the 180 degree headers really gave it a different tone. So when people hear it, they're like, what's in there? You don't think it's an LS, which is, that was the goal.
1: (laughs) Well, I imagine that engine did not fit just right either. There had to be some customization done.
0: You know, it actually fit quite well because the cars came with an inline six. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so the engine bay on those cars really takes virtually no modifications to get a V8 in there because the inline sixes are pretty long. Um, so you're really just, you're, you're adding two more cylinders up front and you're putting, you know, it's a wider engine. Um, but there, there, there's room in there. It fits like a dream (laughs) and it's the, the stacks are centered in the hood. I mean, it's, it's gnarly, such a good car. Oh yeah. So if people are searching. Um, the car's name is Zen and we did her official hashtag is dot Zen instead of dot sun. It's D A T Z E N. So if people are searching, they can search that hashtag and they can find the, all the build pictures, um, you know, on Instagram, you can go all the way back to when we pulled it out of the, out of the airplane hangar that we kept it in for years and years and pulled it back out and started the build process. And we did that build in 2017. So
1: that yeah. is way cool. And, and I yeah. have to ask this as in, as someone who has restored cars, it is not cheap at all. How did, now we had talked a little bit about, um, sometimes you can reach out to, uh, companies to see if they're interested in sponsoring certain things in the build. Now, is that something that you and your husband do or do you self fund everything?
0: Well, so yes, we self-fund, um, but I, I do spend hours upon hours building relationships with companies that um, I want to work with. So what we'll do, kind of our process when we're getting ready to build a car is we go over all the things that we want to do to the car. So like, these are the wheels we want. This is the suspension we want. These are the engine mods that we want to do. These are, you know, this is what we do want to do with the paint and the interior. And so I, we make a list and like a build sheet. And then from there, I will reach out to all the companies that are represented in the build sheet. And I'll say, okay, here's who we are. Here's what we do. Here's what I want to provide for partnering up on this build This is where the car is going to be seen, you know, all of those things. So I spend a ton of time creating proposals and building relationships with the companies because um, that was one of the goals was to utilize the fact that that's where marketing is nowadays. Um, You know, it's not just television ads or ads in magazines. A lot of companies are seeing value in influencers and YouTube marketing and social media ads in um, Facebook and Instagram because that's a lot of where people are gaining inspiration for their builds. You know, you post a video of, um, you know, my car idling and everybody messages me like, oh my gosh, what camshaft is that? I have to have it. It's so badass. And I'm like, yeah, here's the part number, you know, and companies know that. Companies know that when you have eyeballs on you, you have an opportunity to sell parts that you're excited about and that you're you're down with. So... I've asked every woman
1: I've interviewed... One of the questions I ask him is, where do you go if you feel stuck? And the first answer, and, and even outside of my interviews, personally, if we get stuck, the first place everyone goes is YouTube. Oh, absolutely. I haven't heard a different answer. I haven't heard anyone say they go to the <laughs> library. I haven't heard a single person say, I watch some episodes on Motor Trend. I haven't heard a single person <laughs> say, it's always YouTube.
0: Yeah. Always. Yep. Yeah, it is. It is an incredible source.
1: Now, do you and your husband do this full time now then?
0: Well, so uh, since COVID, yes, (laughs) Um, my modeling and acting was thriving pre COVID. But um, all of that shut down with COVID. And it's slowly starting to pick back up. But um, Aaron, his family business is Heavy Diesel Repair, and he worked in that business for years and years and years. And then beginning of this year, we both decided, okay, we're not doing the Heavy Diesel Repair job anymore. We think that the trajectory d- of Flying Sparks will allow the ability for you not to have to go do that because that job was really a beating for him. Just a lot of dynamics there that it's just not his dream job. So he did it for a lot of years and he, he's amazing at it, but it felt really good for him to step away from that phase and that chapter of his life. So he was full-time in Flying Sparks garage and I was still modeling and acting, um, pre COVID. So now with the virus and all of the craziness, we are both full-time Flying Sparks garage, but, um, once my modeling and acting picks back up, I'll be back at that too, but, Um, we work nights and weekends, you know, on, on everything. So, um, the production will not change. It'll, it'll be the same on Flying Sparks. I'll just be working more.
1: (laughs) Now, did, whose idea was it to fire up the YouTube channel for Flying Sparks and turn that into production? Because what you guys do, you do it very well. I've seen, um, I don't want to say amateurs, and I'm not saying you're an am- amateur, but where you don't have a motor trend backing you or something like that. And what you got, the, the output you have is quality work. I've seen some, you know, sound quality that's bad on different YouTube channels and stuff. And there's a consistency that you have around yours. Whose idea was that to to kick that off and start that?
0: Well, so Aaron had a friend who he worked with, that, and they they were doing online marketing for companies. And this was probably 2013, 14. And so that was starting to kick off. And, um, he was like, you know, this is really, this is where, where it's at. This is where marketing is going. And so he, he was the first one to show me that, that that was a reality in our world. Um, or, you know, it was a growing thing. And so, um, for Christmas 2014, he got me headers for Roxy. (laughs) What a great gift. I know. And so uh, I had a dino tune set for the beginning of January to have Roxy a a fresh tune after I installed my headers. So Roxy had her headers installed. She was ready for her dino tune and She did a great pull. I think the pull was like 450 or 460 horse to the tire and we were feeling great. And then the car drops to idle and starts knocking and it was horrible. The car had about 150,000 miles on it. And I just, I mean, it's my daily. I just drive it and drive it and drive it and drive it and drive it. And And so um, that was the point that I knew I had to do something else to the engine because i'm like you know i can't go back with just a stock motor um so we trailered it at home and i was brainstorming and i was like babe i think i want to start a youtube channel doing an engine build on this car because we got to do something with this you know this big happening here and i want to build a badass motor for it but i don't want to pay for all these parts i instead want to use my talents and my what I've learned in the marketing industry of doing commercials for people. I want to do that for parts companies that I believe in. I want to get really sick engine parts and make videos and put them online and talk about why I love these parts. And then that's going to create value for those companies. And eventually people will watch it and we'll grow a following and we're going to do this. And so he was totally behind me 100% because he knew the power of of marketing in that way. And we just started shooting videos and off we went. And that, wow. that first season, um, when we were building the 408 stroker for Roxy, the videos are very short. They're very simple, but we worked really hard on the lighting and on, you know, there's this interesting element because I have lots of confidence in front of the camera, but my confidence level and my knowledge base of engine building and all of that, was lacking. And so, I mean, you just have to start somewhere. I get messages all the time from people and women, you know, saying, I want to do that too, but there's just so much I don't know. And I'm like, there will always be so much we don't know, but you just have to start. If you have a passion for it and you want to do it, do it, make it happen. Be unapologetic. Say, I'm not an expert. If you want an expert, that's not this channel. I am, I'm, an amateur, and I'm going for it. And I'll make mistakes, but I'll film them and you can learn from them too. And that's what we do. That's a beautiful message, Emily. Hey. It,
1: it, it really is. And Aaron just was like, okay, babe, let's go ahead and do this. Yeah, absolutely. How did you know what equipment to get to get started? Because that's another blocker for people. You, you and I talked in the pre-interview and you said one of the key messages around Flying Sparks is hey, get out there and do it and do do this together. It doesn't have to be the man out in the garage working. It can be the husband and wife working together. Oh, absolutely. And there's women out there, you know, it's one thing to go out and do it, but there are a whole subset of people that you pointed that you just mentioned where they'll reach out, hey, I want to do this, where maybe they're just scared or they don't even know where to start or they think it's incredibly oh, yeah. expensive to start. Well,
0: it's it's extremely intimidating. There's so many unknowns and there's a lot of work that you don't know what it's going to entail and so it's just so much easier to want to do it than it is to actually do it. Um, but what I always tell people is I literally started with my iPhone and I still shoot a lot with my iPhone. Um, a big honking camera is great because it gets wonderful footage, but you've got a badass camera in your back pocket and you have no freaking excuses so the 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 iphone or any smartphone that takes video is going to be your best friend set it up somewhere and just start talking to it like it's your friend don't talk to it like it's a scary internet talk to it like it's your friend because that's who you're going to want to create your followers to be. You want your followers to feel like they're your friends. So that's what Aaron and I do. And it was really sweet. So the first season of the show, it was just me on there. And then the second season, I was just like, Aaron, I know we named the show In the Shop with Emily, but I feel like I'm lying to these people because you're the reason I got into cars. Like You're the reason I'm out here wrenching on stuff and, and you're helping me and we do this together. And so you got to be on this with me. And he was like, Nope, I'm not doing it. People just want to see you. They don't want to see some (laughs) dude. And I was like, No, babe, like, we got to do this together, because it'll feel so much more honest and so much more real. And it was awkward going places and people that watched the show, they knew who I was. And they didn't know who he was, because he wouldn't, you know, be on camera. And I'm like, you know what, we got to fix this. And what's so cool is He came around and he was like, okay, you know, if you want me to do this, I'm going to do it. And he's gotten really good at it.
1: Would you consider Aaron an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, he's 100% introvert. So this is way out of his wheelhouse then?
0: Totally, totally pushing every button that he would not want pushed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's the type of guy in person that's like, I do not want the limelight. I don't want the attention. Is that pretty accurate? 100%. Wow. Well, I tell you what, your recommendation around that, Emily, you're spot on. Because, you know, there's there's an authenticity between the two of you. And not only, not because you're husband and wife, right? But the the connection and authenticity of what you just said about how it, it's both of us doing this. And yeah. kudos to Aaron for stepping outside of his comfort zone and doing this with
0: you. Big. That's way cool. It's huge. And so... He, you know, he he's shooting 90% of what people see on, on the show. So he's not only stepped up to be on camera with me, but he's also got a great creative eye that he's really honed in to shoot, be able to shoot it with me. So um, we'll collaborate on the shot. You know, I'll set up the light and I'll, I'll get it all set up and then he'll be like, okay, I think this needs to be tweaked. What do you think about this? I'm like, that sounds great. That's awesome. And you know, Ten seconds later, we have to move it because the the whole thing about shooting a show is you can't just throw a tripod, you know, looking at you and then just get to work. You have to. Okay, we need a detail shot on this, and I just talked about how hard this bolt is to get out. Let's shoot that so the viewer can see. You know, there's so much to doing it well that people don't realize. Uh, Of course, if you're just starting out. Just start out. Just start. But as you go to get better and better and get that production quality, like you mentioned, like it could look like a motor trend show or one that could be on TV. We all have the capability of doing that. It just takes more commitment and more legwork and thinking through the process.
1: I should remind the listeners, too, though, you didn't just start doing this. This is something that you iteratively have gotten better at over, what, five years?
0: Yeah, I mean, when people go back and watch the very first season of the show, when I was building Roxy's first engine, you'll see where, where it started. And it was pretty dang basic. The videos were like three minutes long, and (laughs) two or three shots, you know, um, the only thing that I did get help with was the intro for the videos and the outro for the videos. I have a uh, buddy that I met in the fashion industry who is a car guy. And he came out and shot some footage and assembled an intro and an outro for me. So he sent that to me as a video file. So all of the videos that I shot in the shop with my iPhone and edited in my iMovie app in my phone, I could just drop that intro and outro in it and, and put it on YouTube. So um, that was cool to have, but that's not 100% necessary to have. You don't have to have one of those for, for your show.
1: Emily, I want to ask a question cuz I'm I'm curious. You guys have done that and then the first season Aaron wasn't on it. Aaron started becoming more on it. And when you say season, are you calling a season like one year?
0: Really what what it started for us, the way that I was doing it was I was doing a season as 12 episodes. So, I started off and and I still am not super consistent with my uploads. So, really a season is just what I've decided is like 12 episodes, but I've, I've organized the playlist where people can go back and look and look at that sort of chunk of time. So if people want to go back and watch the first 408 build on Roxy, that's a playlist. So you just scroll back in the playlist and you'll see like, that was the first build on the channel? So that's like season one, you know, and then we did another build and that's like season two and we will sprinkle in other, Um, random videos in there of our adventures, or if we have one small project that we're just filming. So there's like a miscellaneous adventures and wrenching playlist. But all of the builds are organized in playlists. So people can go back and like, watch the Z car build from day one. And it's a whole playlist. So they can just click the playlist and say play whole playlist. And they can do like a binge watching session of all of those build episodes. And so that's I'm, I love the way that's done, and I have got get a lot of good feedback on how I've organized that because instead of bouncing around and trying to find, right. oh, where's part two, you know, it just automatically starts because you have it in the playlist. So it's pretty cool.
1: So one of the things that you said that when you kicked this off is like, hey, I want to leverage my skills in promoting and sending out proposals and just being in the marketing industry. So that's clearly one perk. In your first build with Roxy, did you get some sponsorship?
0: I did. Yes. So Roxy's engine blew up in the beginning of January and then we didn't start the channel until middle of March. So I worked for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was a couple of months trying to create relationships. So it was funny. The first proposal I ever sent out and I, and I figured out, like I did all this research on, um, templates for proposals. And then I would tweak it and make it my own because I really didn't have a following to offer. I didn't have any eyeballs on me. I mean, I had an Instagram account, but I think I had like a thousand, maybe a thousand followers on it, but it was all like just lifestyle stuff, modeling, playing, you know, in the yard, a car here and there. I just, I didn't, I hadn't really committed myself to making a brand at all, but At that point, I was going, okay, well, this is something that I have. I didn't have any subscribers on YouTube, nothing like that. So we just, we submitted these proposals in a way that what I offered was content for them. So I said, I'm a professional model and actress, and I can create content for you guys and provide you photos and videos of me with the parts, just the parts, before they're installed, as they're being installed, after they're installed. And I can do photos and videos at while we're using the parts. And so I just tried to create a proposal that I knew I could deliver to them, even though I didn't have any following at the time. So the first proposal I ever sent out was to Magnuson superchargers because I was just like, you know what? Go big or go home. I'm going to ask them for a supercharger, which, you know, asking for, you know, a $6,000 supercharger is pretty, pretty gutsy. Um, and I got told no, and that was really good for me. Um, but it's really funny. Side note, growing up in the fashion industry and getting excited and going to castings and auditions and being told no or being told you're not the look or being told we don't like your body, whatever it is. I got really numb to hearing no. So I think that's a really powerful thing that it's okay to hear no.
1: That is such a gift, isn't it?
0: It's it's something that I had to learn because, you know, it's hard not to take it personally. It is. But the thing is... If you believe in yourself, then just keep trying. And maybe you have to tweak your proposal. Maybe you have to tweak what you offered in exchange. Maybe they need more value. You know, don't be blind to why they said no, but don't let it stop you. (laughs) So I moved on from Magnuson and I I was just like, I I completely understand. I really appreciate, you know, you responding to me and I hope to work with you guys in the future. So (laughs) And that has a cool uh, ending to it, too. But my next mission was to get Comp cams on board because Comp cams at the time owned a lot of smaller companies like Fast who did um, you know, the intake that I wanted for my car, the injectors that I wanted for my car. I could get the camshaft and the lifters and the push rods, and I could get a lot of the internal components that I needed for the engine. so, I was like, okay, comp cams, that's where, that's who I'm going for. So I did all this, you know, all this research is to find the marketing person with comp cams. And finally, I got a, a phone number and the the lady answered and she was really nice. And I said, yes, may I please speak to the person that's over marketing? And she said, sure. Are you a race team? And I said, no, ma'am. And she said, okay, are you a magazine? I said, no. And she goes, Well, um, I don't really have I I have to be able to tell um the marketing person who you are and what you know what you're wanting. So and I said, Well, I'm wanting to create content for them online. And and so so as I was talking to her, um, she mentioned the name of the marketing guy. So she essentially said that he wasn't available, but that I really needed to be a race team or that I needed to be a magazine or something like that that could offer marketing. And so I was just kind of bummed and I got off the phone with her and I thought about it for a couple of days and I was like, well, the only thing is I I know his name. So I guess I can just try calling back and saying my name and just asking for him. And see if that works because now that I know his name, that might make a difference. And so I just tried it. I just called and I, you know, had confidence in my voice and I said my full name and I asked for the man and she said, sure, let me redirect you. So my heart sank and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to say? I got through to him. What am I, I going to say? <laughs> so it was really funny. I just kind of sat there and instantly, you know, had that wave of nervousness and, he answered and I was just really honest and I just said, I'm starting a YouTube channel and I, I've i put together a proposal for you and I'm a professional model and actress, but I've never done anything in the automotive world. But I do have confidence that I can create content that you guys can share on your website in email blasts on social media, however you want to use it, you can use it. And I can send you guys samples because I had in the shop, I had taken pictures and videos of like samples that I could submit to these companies so that they knew that I could create, you know, good photos and good video and stuff because I didn't just want free stuff. I wanted to offer them value. And that's something that a lot of companies get all the time is people just want free stuff. And they're like, I'm going to take it to car shows you know, well, that doesn't really do that much for that company. They really need value for what they're investing. So after about three weeks, maybe a month of going back and forth with him, he finally was like, okay, we want to work with you, Emily, send me your parts list. We'll get you some parts headed your direction. So that was huge. And that was my first sponsor and they felt excited to work with me and i was so honored and i worked super super hard to make them proud and i feel in that time i did really good for them and i learned a whole lot and more relationships have just grown and and that's where it all started for me and emily i have to ask you when what? you
1: when you got that first box in the mail oh my gosh if that was their first sponsor what did you do? Did you did you capture that footage, the first
0: box that you got? Well, no, because we weren't that good at shooting then.
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> Did you do like a happy dance or something?
0: Well oh my I could- gosh, I'm the hugest dork. It's like I I just freaked out. It's like I Think I told Aaron it was better than getting headers for Christmas times one thousand. He was like, "Really, babe?" I was like, "I worked so hard for these. I worked so hard for these parts, you know." And uh, he's like, "I understand, you know. It's just such a good feeling um, when you've worked so hard for something." And and really, that was the start of all the work. I mean, that was not the beginning of like, "Oh, cool, I got free stuff." It was like. Now the work begins because I have to earn these and I have to create value for these guys and they trusted me and off we go. So.
1: <laughs> wow. Like you, you just telling this story. I'm sitting here like, ooh, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, going through this journey with you, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, seeing that box get delivered and open it the first time. Like I'd be doing like a little happy dance, and yeah, I'm a dork as well, and my happy dances look ridiculous. So I'm just curious, Emily. Like, like when I sit there and I see a lot of the comments and different things like that. Of the different platforms, when you talk about, you know, if you think of a scale, you know, nice, niceties versus vulgar and being just a jerk, you know, it goes Instagram's on the nicest end, then it's Facebook and YouTube. People seem to be ruthless. Of all the platforms that I've looked at, they they seem to be the most rude on YouTube. Your main platform is YouTube. How do you handle that?
0: Man, that has been a lot of learning right there. People say some of the craziest stuff. There's like different categories of feelings when I read the comment section. Um, I will say that the large percentage of people are wonderful, complimentary, just the sweetest, most wonderful people, but you do get a fair amount of people that will just, you can just see that in their typing that their fingers were just on fire with meanness because it's, it's so crazy how people will say things that they would never say in person. But honestly, you, you just have to let it go. There are some really beneficial constructive criticism comments that you can learn a lot from and in fact early on in the engine build with Roxy I, I received my intake and I, I started the installation of the intake at the end of an episode so I set my intake on and I started the bolts by hand and I said something like on the next episode we'll get this intake installed um, and the person one of the people that commented was so mean, but he was right. He he said he called me bad names. This such and such doesn't know how to work on a bleep 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 car. He said she used regular bolts on her valley cover tray instead of the low profile button head bolts. And those are going, when she tightens her intake down, those are going to bust up through the bottom of her intake and ruin it. That dumb blankety blank blank. And I read that comment and I didn't read any of the bad words. All that I heard was I used the wrong bolts and I'm so thankful I did not tighten it down. And so I started digging through my box of parts and there were those low profile button head bolts. And so in my next video, I shouted him out and I was like, Hey, you didn't exactly say it in the nicest way. And you called me a lot of mean names, but I really appreciate you telling me that I had the wrong bolts on my Valley cover tray because I just tightened this intake down by hand. Thankfully, if I had gone and tightened it down with this higher head bolt, I would have ruined my intake. And I don't appreciate you calling me those names, but I sure appreciate you telling me that I should have done better. And you were exactly right. And so I got all these comments after that of people saying, man, that was awesome of you to say it like that. Like what confidence it took for you to hear constructive criticism and take it so confidently. And, And for me, I was just like, you know what? I'm not confident. I'm learning. And so I was, wasn't was offended by the the mean words that he said to me. I just let those go because I'm like, this dude's obviously got issues, but he also knows something I don't know. So I'm going to take the information and throw the rest away. That's great advice. So that's why I read the comments. Like I can learn a lot from them. Um, and if people are being ugly, that's on them. That's not my problem. That just makes them look like a horrible person it doesn't make me look like a horrible person right I mean if I do something wrong or if I say something mean then yeah I mean by all means call me a whatever but I know in the way that I am and the person I am online I would never say something to be called a, a witch with a B you know like <laughs> no
1: way man it yeah. just that's
0: on me yeah. and so like if somebody calls me that like that's on them that's yeah. not my problem
1: I'll tell you one thing that I think is really cool about your channel is that you include your niece, you'll include neighbor kids, like you, it's inclusive, like, it, yeah. you take what you do seriously, no doubt about that. But you aren't so rigid around it either. And watching some of the videos with your niece, she is freaking adorable, by the way. <laughs> Thank and you. And it, it yeah. just, I, I think it's really neat how you do that.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, that has been one of the coolest elements because we get all these messages from families, um, dads and their daughters that get inspired to work in the shop because they see me and my niece working together or wives message me and say, you know, my husband turned me on to your show and now I'm out in the shop working with him. And, And when people ask us, like, what do we do or whatever, I don't say my husband's into cars. I say we're into cars and I just see his face light up and things like that, that I'm just like, man, that is where it's at. That is our goal is to show ourselves loving what we do out there, that we inspire other families and other couples and young people to get involved because mistakes happen, but you learn from and and it's nothing to not show. We're not People that hide our mistakes. We show when we hit bumps in the road, or when we do something wrong, or when we have to look something up, or whatever it is. Like you know, it's uh, it's a process, and and we've gotten so much positive feedback from being authentic like that, and including our family, and so I'm I'm glad you love it because we love it too. It means a whole lot to us.
1: There is us. definitely an authenticity about it, and I think that's why a lot of the people connect with it. And it, it honestly got me thinking about involving the kids in some way, shape, or form. They may or may not be interested in it, but to not fear having them join yeah. me or join us in front of the camera, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, one of the things that I think about and, and I've shared this with, um, a a friend of mine. I, it it just, it honestly makes me emotional. Um, I think about how amazing it's going to be to have that footage. I mean, our niece is eight right now, but when we started the channel, she was three. And so, I mean, it is so amazing to have that footage that we can look back on. Think about when she's 20, 25, 30, and she's got that footage when she's a little kid with her aunt and uncle out in the shop. Like I had a dad message me and say, you know, my son really doesn't want to be on camera with me, but I think he will if I ask him to, and he's 13 and we're building a car together and I really want to film it. And I said, make him be cool with it because Whenever he's driving that car and he's 45 or 50 years old and he has those freaking videos of you guys building that car and you're not around anymore, there will be no amount of money that could take those from his hands. Absolutely. If we can can look out at the big picture, who gives a flying crap if anybody watches it on YouTube? Film it. Mm -hmm. I so
1: agree with you. Put it
0: on YouTube. You'll inspire people. Who knows what could come from it? Film it. If there's something that's happening that's exciting in your life, put a camera on and put some videos together of it and put it online because it's not going anywhere there.
1: Film it for the purpose that you just said, instead of trying to get viewership, because I'll I'll tell you what, Emily, I, I wrote a book called Grandpa's Wisdom and I wrote the book for me. It was, it was therapeutic for me. It's something that I'd been working on for 10 years because my grandfather would have all these one-liners.
0: Mm.
1: And, it, you know, it's, it, it's something out of a movie. The day that I got the final, like, the first printed copy, the very next day, I was my grandfather was in the hospital. I was going to drive up to Cleveland because I, I live in Ohio from Columbus to Cleveland and give him the very first printed copy. And he passed away that night. I yeah. never got the chance to give it to him. Oh, but in yeah. making the book and going through the process of publishing the book, I recorded footage of me oh. actually interviewing my grandpa and asking him questions. And, you know, it's on, YouTube, it's on YouTube. And I put it out there, not for viewership, but for the exact reason that you just said. And after he passed... My uncle, you know, and my dad and stuff, there are three boys, my dad being one of them. They still go back and watch it. And that's what it's about. That That's legacy right there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, think about if if we all filmed our parents or something that just you don't realize what it's going to mean to you down the road.
1: No, you don't just don't. When I sat there in his living room asking him these questions, I, you, you know, I I I felt it, but at the same time, you don't realize it until it's too late and if you if you mm-hmm. don't record it. I so agree with you. I so yep. agree with you. And that's yep. I think it I think that kind of leads into this question that I was going to ask you is you know, there there are inherent benefits that you thought, I imagine you thought you would have going into creating this YouTube channel. Has there been anything that has come out of it where it just blew you away, the impact or benefit or maybe influence that you have or had, maybe still currently, that you just didn't even realize would come out of it?
0: That's an interesting question because... I, I feel like I went into it and I still have really high, high, high hopes and dreams for our effect on the world and then also like just personal achievement. I I think that if I didn't, I wouldn't work as hard as I do to make it all happen. Like I don't think amazing stuff happens by chance or it just drops in your lap. I mean, maybe sometimes some incredible stuff will just be like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't no- absolutely nothing for this to happen." <laughs> maybe that happens sometimes, but honestly like I work so hard that my dreams are a constant thing that I think about and dream about and hope about that when stuff comes true it does feel like crazy and amazing, but I've dreamt about it and I've visualized it and I've imagined it all to be true. So I I would say maybe if there was anything that I could draw from to say that I just can't believe it is having people that I early on lifted up and thought, man, that person is a mentor. That person is what I want to work toward, or I want to get information or help from that person. And now today a lot of those people I call friends and they consider me friends. That is a huge like, damn, that's cool. That's probably probably the best answer that I can come up with. But um, a lot of the people that I see as mentors are friends of mine that I value being friends with me, too. So that means a lot. It's really you created a tribe.
1: The friendships that you've built, you just didn't realize they would be that deep.
0: Yes, yes. Absolutely.
1: That's so cool. That is so cool. Well, Emily, I think this is a great time to launch into the red line round. And what the red line round is, is it's just five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to them. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Okay. You ready? All right. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey?
0: My grandparents.
1: Tell me a little bit more about that. (laughs)
0: Well, my grandparents um, got together when they were 14 and 17, just like Aaron and I, and they have now been married close to 70 years and they're total badasses. They wake up every morning and read to each other. They walk three miles every morning. They um, love everybody. They're positive. They're awesome. And um, they're, they're just our inspiration. We look at them as ultimate role models. Can you share grandma and
1: grandpa's name?
0: Yeah, Patty and Ralphie.
1: Patty and Ralphie. I just like the way you said that. (laughs) It's like going right back to the four year old.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because they never wanted to be called grandma and grandpa or gramps and mammy or whatever. Yeah. They want their names are Pat and Ralph. And so they're Patty and Ralphie.
1: Now, is that on your mom or dad's side?
0: My mom's side. I never got to meet my dad's parents, sadly. Right on.
1: It is, it's such a blessing to be able to grow up seeing that.
0: It absolutely is.
1: Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck on a job?
0: Well, you've already highlighted my answer, which is YouTube. It's either YouTube or if it's something that it, it pertains to business. Like if I'm stuck and I'm trying to write a proposal or I'm trying to figure out a contract or something like that, I'll go to someone that I consider to be a mentor in that world and I'll ask them. And if I don't have a mentor, then I ask someone that I feel like has a mentor that I can source information from. That, that's great yeah.
1: advice. Just out of curiosity, is there particular YouTube channels you go to that you trust?
0: I really, I think Chris Fix has an awesome channel um, for information. If I'm going to do a certain job and I want to have information prior to doing it, Chris Fix has a great channel, um, Engineering Explained. He has a lot of really cool videos. Um, but mostly when I'm going to do a job or I'm have a, I'm stumped on a project, There's, there's so many just, I'll say it like this, like one hit wonders, Uh, Some good old boy uploads a, you know, wheel bearing video and he's like, hey, I'm changing the wheel bearing and my old Bronco thought I'd film it. Here it goes. And like, you know, the camera falls down off the. Coke, Coke <laughs> can slap. that he said it on, you know, and he's like, well, I got that real, I think I torque it to like 100 foot pounds or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. Awesome. Usually like videos that I find that I'm looking for information on, they end up being good old boys like that <laughs> and not really, you know, millions of, you know, subscribers or whatever. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. Emily, what excites you most about what you do?
0: Inspiring people and um, hearing feedback that what we do and how we do it makes a difference to somebody's life. I'm just
1: curious, and maybe you have one, maybe you don't. What is your most touching feedback that you've ever gotten that has really stuck with you?
0: Well, I recently cried reading a message from a young man who said that his dad had been sick and in the hospital for months and months. And finally he was let out of the hospital because he wasn't able to go and see him because of COVID. He wouldn't, couldn't go to the hospital, but his dad was able to come home. And he said that he hadn't seen his dad smile or laugh in years and years that he was always just had a really hard time with happiness. And he said, but I decided to show him Flying Sparks garage videos and because he loves Dotsons. And so we watched your build series on the Dotson like three times. And he said, I got to see him laugh. I got to hear him say tell stories about his old Dotsons. And he's gone now. He passed away and it I think it had been like a week or two that his dad had been gone. But he just all of a sudden he felt inspired to send me a message and tell me that. Like that, he thanked us for making those videos because he's not sure he would have been able to see his dad laugh and and tell those stories if he hadn't watched our videos. So that was really amazing.
1: Wow that that's one that I would have to agree with you. I probably would have had to reach for the Kleenex box.
0: Oh yeah, I like had to wipe my eyes multiple times because I wouldn't be able to read the words because they'd be filled with tears. Like so sweet.
1: You know, in listening to to your story, Emily, there's there's something where we we all have this deep desire to find our purpose in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I've come to realize through interviewing so many women through FeEM Garage Grudge Podcast, is that you can find purpose in anything you do. You are you are finding purpose by sharing videos in your experiences in inspiring others. Someone else may find it in flying to another country and helping, you know, in a third world country. Others may be the pride that they take working on a car and helping the older lady out, you know, or older gentleman out. You sharing that story about that gentleman And being able to watch his dad laugh for the first time in years. Incredible. It is. And sometimes I feel like as human beings, we overcomplicate what finding purpose in life is. Sometimes we think it's this big, grandioso thing. And sometimes it's truly in the small things. Yep. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Because small things can be really big.
1: <laughs> yes, and you just don't know how you'll impact people.
0: No. Nope.
1: I, yeah, I am I, nope. with you. That. Thank you for being willing to share that. That's incredibly touching.
0: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I'm very thankful that he sent me that message.
1: And that's the other thing that I think a lot of people... When, when you do what you do, Emily, and, and you're on a YouTube channel and you're shooting these videos and even with podcasting, you get that sometimes people feel like you're out there somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you can't be reached. And the reality is, is when we get feedback like that and people take the time to respond that we read every one of them. Yeah, it, and and they they matter to us. And sometimes those days that are really hard to pick up the camera or get our butts out in the garage and you know do our hair and make be presentable in front of the camera or you know what I'm saying. Any of those things. Some
0: that, for me, it's editing. <laughs> ed- oh,
1: I hear you, sister. Oh, my gosh. I, Too. I yes, yes. I completely understand it's those are the things that keep us going because there's those days that we don't want to do it.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Emily, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel like stuck or discouraged? A personal habit when you feel stuck?
0: Hmm. I would have to say sharing it, being honest with folks Um, either making a post and everyone sees it or talking to someone directly that I admire or one of my mentors or someone that I know loves me and supports me and just communicating, oh, I'm having one of those days. But honestly, we've created such a following of people that are so supportive that what we do means so much to them that if I just share that, you know, it's been a hard day or man, I've got a lot on my plate. I'm feeling overwhelmed or any, whatever I'm feeling, there will be so many folks that come through with supportive comments and messages and things people will say, like, if there's anything I can do to help. And I mean that, you know, if you ask for support when you need it, chances are you're going to get overwhelmed with it. And it's there are people waiting to support you because they love you and they admire you and they want to step up and be that person for you because you encourage and support them when they need it. So I would say being being transparent about your hard times and when you're feeling like you need that, then, then asking for it.
1: Why do you think that is, Emily? Just out of curiosity, I want to get your perspective. The overwhelming support when you show that vulnerability and how it's met. Why do you you think it's met with that?
0: Because it really does feel good to help people. It feels good to be helped as well. But when someone really feels like they need you or they need support, it feels really nice to be able to step in and do that. And I just feel like I've created a really great following and there's a a lot of wonderful people out there to be followed that are like that. So, I think that's the reason. That's so beautifully put in
1: the final question, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way either in the skilled trades industry, maybe motorsports or maybe it's just in the influencer around automotive.
0: I would say be yourself. Don't try to, and I have to talk to myself about this all the time, don't try to compare yourself to other girls in the industry or other girls that do what you do. Figure out what feels best to you and who the best you looks like, the one that you would be most proud to be, and focus on being that person. Don't worry about the likes. Don't worry about how many followers you have, just try your hardest to be your best self and move through your brand building <laughs> with confidence. And, and that is your brand um, and be proud of who you are. And when you come upon questions, boldly ask them, you know, if you've got a following and you're working on something, make a post and say, Hey, I need some help on this. It's time to educate me or, you know, reach out to your network and show, show your vulnerability with your strengths, because there's a lot of power in that. So I would say, be confident and move forward. And, and if there's ever anything I can do, shoot me a message because I'm happy to help any way I can or just listen. You totally teed me up. I was going to say, you're probably getting ready to ask me where people can find me and all. Yes. Where and how can people connect with you, Emily? (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, My Instagram, which is the platform that I'm most active on, I have a really hard time keeping up with Facebook messages because all of my stories on Instagram share to Facebook and people message me back from these stories on Facebook. And I have a gajillion messages that I haven't received. So don't message me on Facebook, (laughs) message me on Instagram. My um, handle there is I am Emily Reeves. So like I'm Emily Reeves. Um, And then if you're searching for us on YouTube, search Flying Sparks Garage. And then on Facebook, the fan page there is Emily Williams Reeves. And I do Facebook out of necessity because people like Facebook for some reason. I am not one of those people that like, <laughs> Facebook. I really like Instagram. I just do. I don't really love Facebook that much, but I do it. And I read all the comments there too. Um, so if you comment on a photo, then I will see that, but I cannot keep up with the messages over in that camp. Uh, But I read and respond to every message on Instagram. So hit me up.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Emily, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. I've I've had a lot of fun picking your brain and I've learned a lot from you. And I appreciate your vulnerability and authenticity.
0: Well, that is very kind to say. I really appreciate that. And I loved being on with you. I, I respect you a whole bunch. You're doing a great thing here. Hi, my name is Emily Reeves. Host of Flying Sparks Garage on YouTube, and I'm Fem Canick.
1: Renee Edwards is in the driver's seat next. This Caribbean queen hails from Antigua. Her personal brand encompasses three different entities. In real life, is her motivational speaker, modeling, and entrepreneur entity, LHF. Motorsports is her racing, media, and culture entity. And finally, Lady Mex Workshops, which provides workshops for women teaching car basics. Be sure to tune in as Miss Renee pulls back the curtain and lets us into her world. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, FemcanicGarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a Femcanic?